continuing with our second week on the book of Daniel, man of God, reading from Daniel chapter 2, the story continues. In the second year of his reign, King Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled. And he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, May the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut to pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more they replied, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain you are trying to gain time, because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is only one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream. I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, There is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men in Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went in to the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives not wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. 
He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells in him, with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Arioch took Daniel to the king and went at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. The king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. As your majesty was lying there, your mind turned to things to come. And the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, but so your majesty may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. Your majesty looked, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue is made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all broken into pieces and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream, and now we will interpret it to the king. Your majesty, you are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. Your hands he has placed all in your hands he has placed all mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds of the sky. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them all. You are that head of gold. After you, another kingdom will rise, inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything, as iron breaks things to pieces. So will it crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom. Yet it will have some strength of iron in it, even as you saw iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. In the time of those things, the King God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, 
the silver and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. God always blesses the reading of God's holy word. Come, Holy Spirit, lead us again. I pray the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, would be pure and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. It's all about listening, observing, and taking the shot you're given. I learned that from the late great Christian author Eugene Peterson. Many of us, in contrast, grew up or have been influenced by a sort of salesman model of Christian evangelism. You go in, you make your pitch, and then you close. Now, I'm not saying there aren't things we can learn from sales or sports or the arts or any discipline for that matter. We can learn from it all. I like doing that. And then take our insights and deploy them in expressing our faith. But the danger, there's always a danger. And it's this. Many of these bits of wisdom are often generated in a context In which God is not the center. Many bits of the world's best wisdom come from a place centering on ourselves. Think the best of enlightenment humanism. Not bad, necessarily. It could be, but not necessarily bad. Just not sufficient and certainly not in sync with the biblical story. Which is wildly and radically centered on a wild, radical God who in many respects can tend to defy our typical wisdom. So much of the time, the wisdom of the world is insufficient to account for the way God moves, like getting inside the head of a Babylonian king. Ours is a God of endless creative possibilities. Our God is bound only by his own character. And in some cases, our God will defy and run circles around the best worldly wisdom. Because God, after all, gets to be God. This is the God who can get inside a Babylonian king's head. So follow this God, and you'd better prepare to be surprised when and where and how God shows up and gives us that shot to take, to speak into people's lives. We may be called to share words of Christian affirmation. 
we may be called to share words of Christian consolation. We may be called to share words of Christian confrontation. Hopefully we do it with tact and with respect, as we've already seen Daniel do. Or we may be called to share words of Christian interpretation. Interpreting what someone's going through in light of what God tells us. Well, this is what Daniel gets to do here. In the most unexpected of places. As we explored chapter 1 last week, we saw Daniel, one of Judah's best and brightest, hauled off to Babylon to learn Babylonian ways. He engages, he learns their ways, he draws the line in eating their food, he does it with tact and respect and comes up with a negotiated plan for how to maintain his own faithfulness and still respect the leaders around him. Everything works out well. He doesn't have to eat the food. He keeps his head. And all this works out because, as is the theme of the book of Daniel, God is large and in charge. God is sovereign. God rules. Even in Babylon. This week in chapter 2, the king of Babylon is troubled. The guy can't sleep. Super powerful guy, large and in charge of his world. He can't run away, nevertheless, from a bad dream. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So he pulls in the experts. These were the diviners, the magicians. They would cut open animals and read the entrails. And if they saw something out of order, they would interpret that as a sign. Or they'd read the stars and they saw something out of order. They would interpret that as a sign. He gets them in there. And as you can say, as you could hear, he threatens them. And it doesn't work. There is not a person on earth who can do what the king asks. And they're right about that, by the way. They come to the end of themselves, this panel of the king's experts. They can't get an answer. He orders the hit job on all the wise guys because he is fed up and maybe a little bit scared, right? Daniel and his friends are in the crosshairs of this king's hit job. What does Daniel do? He takes the shot he's given leaps into action. Verse 16, Daniel went into the king and asked for a time, for time, that he might interpret the dream for him. Imagine everybody in your, in your work group's about to get fired at Boeing or somewhere, and you go into the boss's office and say, wait a second, give me time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work this all out. Wild thing about Daniel is he goes in and says that and he still doesn't know the interpretation of the dream yet. Imagine trusting God that much that you offer something to someone when you don't even have it yet, but you trust God so much that God's going to give it to you before when you need it, right? And just in time. So here it is. Here's, here's the secret to evangelism, to speaking words of affirmation, consolation, uh, confrontation, or interpretation in someone's life, speaking all the good news of Jesus into that. Here's a, at least a secret to it. 
And Daniel shows us here, and it's about this. It's this way. It says it's about being grasped by the who before you get the what. In other words, Daniel is swept up in God, the who, before he's even given the what to do. (laughs) Daniel is swept up in God, who, before he's given the what to do. And you can hear the priority of the who in what Daniel says to his friends right after he gets back from appealing to the king. He says, verse 18, it says, he urged them to plead for mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery. He didn't know it yet. He didn't hadn't figured it out yet. He doesn't have the interpretation in his back pocket. He's made a promise on behalf of God, the who. And in an active, intentional surrender to the character of God, he then gets the what? Surrendering to the who, surrendering to God, he gets what comes next. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And then we get afterwards, you know, he, ple- he, he in that wonderful passage afterwards, we first get him saying, plead with God in mercy for the vision, for interpretation. Then he gets the vision. Then he has this wonderful prayer again to the who. So it's the who, the what, and then the who, right? In the scriptures, that's a clue and how to engage the world with the gospel. We want to be so swept up in the who promising to give us the what we need to reach those around us. And then we praise the who. We praise God some more. So Daniel takes his dream interpretation to the king. And he begins by saying, no wise man, enchanter, musician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God who reveals mysteries. The who. Right? He's even, he seems to be more anxious to tell the king about the who than the what. Go figure, right? Well, yeah, that's how it happened. God does this. So I'm going to tell you about the God who did it before I tell you what he did. More evidence that Daniel is more caught up in the who than the what. When we finally get to the dream, we learn it's about an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance, thighs of bronze, bronze, legs of iron, rock cut out, struck the statue, really dramatic, you know, artistic, iron, clay, bronze, silver, gold, broken into pieces, like chafe on a threshing floor in the summer, wind swept them away without leaving a trace But that rock, the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain. Well, Daniel interprets the dream this way. Nebuchadnezzar, you're the gold head. Then the next kingdom comes, inferior, that's the silver. Next, the bronze, another kingdom. And the fourth kingdom, that's the iron, the clay. And then the rock not cut by human hands and the rock broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. This rock, Daniel says, is God's kingdom. Verse 44, he explains it this way. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. 
Remember right after 9-11, we've had that anniversary recently. And I don't know about you, but when you when you see that come down, you see the buildings collapse, I think we all have kind of a collective PTSD about that. I was vacationing with my parents in Ogunquit, Maine. This is before I met Jill, um, way before I met Jill. And I was with my family when it happened. We watched it unfold on the Today Show at NBC. And we were uh, rocked to our core, shaken like everybody, vulnerable, how vulnerable we all felt. Remember that. That's what Nebuchadnezzar is feeling here. He learns that God rules kingdoms, moves them, smashes them, replaces them. We too as a nation are more vulnerable than we'd like to think. Whether the stock market, the evils of terrorism, internal division, or of course COVID, we are vulnerable. But... Vulnerability is holy ground. Like Nebuchadnezzar, we can fall on our faces here and our vulnerability and say, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the reveal of mysteries. For you were able to reveal this mystery. I remember right after 9-11, they had that beautiful worship service at the Washington Cathedral. And they sang, um, I think it was, um, Oh God, our help in ages past. So one of the great hymns. And um, that was a nation on its knees. Empires and kings will not last. Now it's of course debated, as you might imagine, what empires are the gold, the silver, the bronze. They likely represent Babylon, Medo-Persian, Greek, and Roman empires. All these empires were impressive at times. But beyond the particulars, you get the theme. None of them stand the test of time. But then there's the rock. The one in the dream. The one that's cut out of the mountain, not by human hands. Do you know this rock? Jesus Christ is the rock. God's eternal kingdom embodied in him. Eternal, greater than any nation, Greater than any empire, power, or principality. His kingdom is forever. Our church and all churches are an embassy for this kingdom. Our church, this building, is a kingdom embassy. Our church is also, to each of us, a kingdom embassy wherever we go. Wherever we go, we are an extension of that embassy. Wherever we sit, wherever we stand, through Christ's Spirit, we become that wherever, whether we're in the Safeway line or in a, a long traffic jam or hiking on a trail or uh, we're sitting at Starbucks, that embassy is open for business right there. The eternal God's safe place lasts forever and ever in a changing, threatened, vulnerable world. And you know how embassies work. When we find ourselves in trouble in a foreign land, you find your embassy and you take your refuge there. You're safe there because you know whose you are. In the vulnerability that King Nebuchadnezzar felt and the vulnerability we all inevitably feel in the face of all we're facing as a nation, when it's all crumbling, when life hits us so hard that we can barely catch our breath, when we lose our hope in a scary world, we run to the nearest kingdom embassy 
And we stand on the rock who is Christ. We come to worship. We find a small group to pray with. We go to dinner with some Christians. We open the scriptures. We praise. We pray. We find someone in need and serve them because we meet Jesus there too. We take some time to be silent and ask the Lord to speak to us. In all these ways, we walk through the doors of our kingdom embassy and we find that solid rock on which to stand. We get our bearings. We see what is eternal, even as the world shakes. And we invite the world in. Come and see. Come and see the rock our Lord who is eternal. May it be so for you and me in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.